When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Luca. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. And if today you like what you hear, subscribe. We do new episodes every Monday. And if you've been around for a little while, you're already subscribed, the next step for you would be to go to Instagram and Facebook and look us up. Or you can just type in Good Music Podcast and we'll show up. Um, that's where you can send us who you'd like to listen to next and stay up to date with everything that's going on with us. And if you are a connoisseur of good music, go down in the link and uh, become a patron in our uh, on Patreon. You get access to episodes early, plus you get our special bonus segment, which is called the Bad Music Podcast, where we talk about the six worst songs from the artists that we're talking about uh, this week and every week after that. But Lucas, uh, speaking of Instagram and Facebook, we actually have a fan suggestion today. Yes, we do. So um, the last couple of times I've been uh, advertising that we are going to um, do suggestions from our listeners because we want to talk about the artists that you guys specifically love and then not just be me deciding for the masses what music is worthy of discussion. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a responsibility I must carry. It's <laughs> heavy, heavy crown <laughs> so uh this is it'll also just be a way for us to um maybe talk about artists that we wouldn't think of on our own so uh, this is the second month that we have done one of these this is coming from not just one of our uh regular listeners but one of our patrons as well uh tina adams requested a while back that we do an adele episode so this is you know. uh in honor of her, thank you for being a patron. Thank you for um, listening to the podcast. We uh, we really appreciate it. And um, I'm actually pretty excited for this episode. I didn't think mm-hmm. I was going to as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are talking about Adele this week. So give me your first thoughts, Lucas. So my wife, Callie, is a massive Adele fan. Like, maybe that's in her top three favorite artists. Whoa. And so I've heard a lot of Adele, and at, and at first I didn't enjoy it very much because I was just like, the thing about um, the way she listens to music is that she picks out, like, 
five or six songs from that artist. Yeah. And just listens to them on repeat over and over and over again. Oh, I do that too. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, I yeah. don't listen to music like that. It's just like, cause there's, there's, I was finding that there was a massive amount of songs of theirs, of hers that I had never even heard before. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know a lot of these songs even existed because I just would hear the same six, seven songs over and over. What again. were what were some of those six songs that you now subconsciously hate because you've heard them so much? Well, um, I don't know if there's any that I hate. Good thing at is the that time. at the time, what were the, the ones? Time, um, there were some songs. She, the big one she played was her third album, Twenty Five. She played that because right when we started dating, that album came out. <laughs> and so she just, she ate that album up voraciously. And I remember I, I really did not like uh, Send My Love to Your New Lover. I didn't like pretty much the entire back half of that album. <laughs> and um, the songs that I did like she like wouldn't listen to uh, classic but she's she she does this with many artists um she she i i think i had said in our uh our 2020 recap record that she almost ruined the new taylor swift album for me because <laughs> just it was the it was the same songs over and over again but she also has this very interesting uh trait that she hates the hits Hmm. She only listens to the deep cuts. So we never listened to Rolling in the Deep. We never listened to Chasing Pavements. We never listened to Someone Like You or um, Set Fire to the Rain. It was it was always the, the, the album cuts. <laughs> That's Which like is ironic. Exclusively listened to. I know. It's, it's really strange. But, I can respect that, though. Yeah. Yeah a true fan yeah i feel like you get a better sense of the artist if you don't listen to just the stuff that they got lucky with a hook on that if you uh -huh. listen to the stuff where they actually had to kind of work to get the song out because then you get a more pure reflection of what's actually going on musically in their head i showed her the list that i picked for this episode and she told me i was basic yeah, <laughs> yeah i would say that that a <laughs> solid half at least of this set is just hits is just radio hits yeah but we're putting the set together like the first thought is like if you've never listened to adele before oh for sure like yeah no, and, I, I, and it that, is, i'm not i'm not all, all the, the all, all i feel like any fan of any of the artists that we went to would be like basic basic on any of them because it's like well yeah these are the the That's songs true. that define the artist Mm-hmm. It's it, true. Usually when we do volume ones, I typically don't go with lots of deep cuts. I usually may I might put one, maybe two. Yeah. But uh it also um helps when an artist's biggest songs are their best songs. Yeah. You, you think that their one, biggest are their best. Yeah. It'd be one thing if like you had an artist that had this really amazing deep catalog and their their hit songs are their shallow ones. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess kind of, but Born in the he, USA is a crappy song, dude. I disagree. I think it I think sounds that, good. I think that that's like the most sellouty song ever compared to his. No, song. not yeah. even close. Not even close. I like it mainly because I didn't. I didn't overhear it. Oh yeah. And that was I the think, with um with a lot of Adele's big hits. I didn't listen to her when she was coming out. I knew she existed. I had no scope of how big she actually was. I just thought she was just another voice in the crowd. And so I never got the overexposure that maybe some other people have felt with some of her songs. Like, mm-hmm. like whenever I was listening through, like I couldn't remember the last time I had heard Rolling in the Deep or, um, or Make You Feel My Love or some, some of her bigger ones. Like I was just like, oh, wow, I have not heard this song in a very long time. This is a really great song. I kind of felt like I didn't have any of the baggage that comes with an overplayed hit song. Yeah. So I I felt that that worked in my favor. I, I felt like I could be more objective with ranking songs. I felt that it helped me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so and I mean with her, like her big songs are big for a reason mm-hmm. because if you look at what the pop landscape was like, she didn't fit in it at all. Her songs were not big because they sounded like what else was on the radio. They didn't sound like sellout songs. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it sounded, it sounded like, like old school. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, just good songwriting. And so mm-hmm. I never had this this issue of, um, you know, looking at it and going, oh, you know, this song was only big because she was trying to have a hit. And but don't, don't mistake me. I don't think she wasn't trying to get a hit, but she wasn't trying to do it by sounding like everyone else. Yeah. She knew exactly what she wanted to do, and she did it. You got to mm-hmm. respect that as an artist. And you know what? Not only did she uh, make it big, but she made it bigger than everyone around her. I was looking at some statistics specifically for the 21 record, which is her second one, the big one. And I was quite astonished at what I found. First off, it is the 19th best-selling album of all time. Wow. Whoa. Not that just is... like the modern wow. era of of all time. It is the only one to of the last 20 years to sell over 20 like 22 million copies. Like the next one of hers or not hers, the next album to even come close to those numbers is her album 25. <laughs> like it's the next best-selling album of the modern era. It's but Twenty One has sold like thirty-three million albums. Oh my lord! Like an insane number. It it holds so many records. It is only the second 
album in history to be the best-selling album two years in a row, hmm. the other one being Thriller, because it was the best-selling hmm. album of 2011 and 2012. <laughs> she, won, she won six Grammys for that album, which was a record for um, a female artist at the time. Uh, she, she tied with Beyonce for most Grammys for a single album. Mm-hmm. And then Billie Eilish broke it. Yeah, uh, last year, but at the time that was that was still huge. She is the biggest selling female artist of all time. She wow. She just she just, she just passed Whitney Houston for that biggest record. selling like albums or biggest yeah, selling like num- number of albums. Um, she is by and far the biggest selling UK female singer. Um, she has the, uh, her song, Somebody Like You is the only song in history to reach number one on the pop charts with being just vocal and piano. Um, this is just a lot. It's broken all kinds of records for how fast it's sold. <laughs> um, her album 25 sold 3 million albums in its first week. Which was a record at the time. Um, she uh, has the record for longest uh, album by a female artist to stay at number one. Uh, twenty one stayed at number one for like twenty eight weeks in a row. Wow! Like I was learning all this stuff, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this." Like, how did I not know this was happening back in 2011? Mm-hmm. Like, this is just, mm-hmm. this is insane level of statistics. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is literally once in a generation type of record. And it's her second. And it's her second one. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, her, her third one is, is still one of, one of, is a still a record breaking album and still such a huge record for anyone to ever have in their career. That's so weird how somebody can, which I guess that kind of gets into her story, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but it's weird that, you know, I assume that the albums are named based off her age at the time. Yes. So she, yeah, she, was and so, she made that album. So she, she was 19 years old when she made her first album mm-hmm. it did so well that two years later when she's 21 she makes one of the greatest selling albums of all time and her third album sells or sets records for selling so fast mm-hmm. it's not even like by word of mouth kind of thing where we talked about with you know the rush epics where it's like they released 2112 and then like eventually kind of the underground scene figures it out but it's just it's so popular so fast. Yeah. That she's selling so many. A meteoric rise for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah a, a couple other statistics that I just remembered about. Um she is tied with the Beatles. She's the only one besides the Beatles to ever have uh three songs in the top five at the same time 
she <laughs> is the only uh, artist of the last uh, decade to have three number one singles off one album. She oh my lord! Is she is the best selling artist of the decade and the best selling artist of the twenty first century? Mm-hmm. That that would make sense, yeah. And um, she also was the first one Beatles to have two albums in the top five at the same time. <laughs> Whoa! Wait! Wait! Let me. Is it twenty one and twenty five, or is it nineteen and twenty one? It was nineteen and twenty one. Because really, nineteen was not that big of a record. I mean, it it definitely helped set the stage, but she wasn't. She did. She wasn't a superstar with with nineteen. Nineteen. Right. Nineteen got her a lot of critical acclaim, and she won the Grammy that year for best new artist, and Chasing Pavements won best song that year. But that was kind of like an upset. Like that was that was not like a obvious choice. It was like you could tell she was shocked when she won that because I remember watching those Grammys, and she went up to accept the award. And me, both me and my dad were like, "Who is she?" <laughs> we, we had no idea who she was. And I was just like, "Oh, okay. I guess we got to look out for this Adele person, whoever she is." I'd never heard Chasing Pavements. So I was just like, oh, okay. Whatever. She's probably a one-hit wonder or something because I've never heard of her. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are, yeah. Um, like, yeah, she like she did well enough. Probably, I'm sure, way better than she ever expected to with that first record. But it's not one of those things where you saw it and you thought to yourself, Oh, get ready! This is she's about to be the biggest artist of the modern era. Like mm -hmm. this, I don't think anyone could have seen coming what she did. But yeah, it was um, you know when Rolling in the Deep that first single came out, it just like it blew all of the competition away, and just that that it circles around. I guess kind of what started this is that like she made something that was completely different than pretty much all of her contemporaries. It's very natural sounding. It's not processed. It's not, she's not a big flamboyant star, which was in 2011. That was like the thing that was the height of Gaga. That was when Katy Perry was still pretty ridiculous. That was the time of Kesha and like, Miley was, Cyrus was being weird. my, yeah, that was, you know, that was that was when that was. So she was she was very unlike everyone else that was big at that time. Party rock anthem. Yeah. Where it was it was very dance, very electronic, very outrageous and offensive. Uh I would say we're in the middle of a very different offensive right now. Where it's more about yeah. people are showing raw emotion and not caring how they express it. I feel like these days when you hear people using harsh language, that it's not just like, you know, being funny or or being like a uh, an edgelord. 
it's more about like I have these very strong emotions and these are the only words that can sum it up. It feels more mm. real. But like she was just, she was the complete opposite of all of it. She was not, you know, she didn't dress outrageously. She didn't act outrageously. Um, you know, her she was someone that when you heard her songs, you felt like they were incredibly real. Not just musically, but emotionally. I'm I'm noticing a lot of parallels between her and Springsteen. Yeah, you could say that. And and really the way that, that you've talked about this whole, you know, past few minutes, a lot of the artists we talk about, right? She's not part of the sea of pop. Uh-huh. And I think that, you know, we many, 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 many of the artists we've talked about did their own thing that was very much contrary to the music of the time and the way that musicians acted at the time and the way that live shows were done. Right. I think it's interesting that she came around and did something that was 100% unlike what was around her. And she ended mm -hmm. up not just beating them, but demolishing them. Like I said, when I was looking mm -hmm. at the charts of all the best selling, like no one even comes close. The second mm -hmm. place is herself. And it's still, you know, a good 10 million short of what her first place is. Like, um, you know, 25 is the second best selling album of the modern era, but it's still 10 million shy of what 21 did. Like, it's just, you know, you start to get into, like, 17, 16 million before you start to see anyone that was from her era. The only other ones from the last 20 years that even start to come close to even 25 are, like, from the very beginnings of the 2000s, like, 2000, 2001. Like, I think, like, Eminem, one of his albums was on there, and Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory, that first record was on there. Like, around the, around the like, 20, 21 million uh, space. Like, Coldplay doesn't have as big of an album as hers. Uh, Beyonce doesn't. Lady Gaga doesn't. Like, just... I just, I think that that's interesting. I don't, I don't know what you can take from that. Does it mean that somewhere people are thirsting for this kind of music and just no one else is daring to do it? So is her discography only only three albums? Yep. It's the, it's the easiest time I've ever had ranking an artist, which is great because Miles Davis was one of the toughest. Her, <laughs> yeah. her entire uh, discography is only two and a half hours long. So not only did I get to rank it, but I got to go through yeah. it a couple times and really refine it. Yeah. Like she doesn't have any live albums on Spotify. She really only has like two singles that aren't on a record. Um, she, she, I know she has some bonus tracks, but they're not on Spotify. And so I can't put them on the playlist because you know they're not on there so it's a it's an incredibly dense discography 
Yes, she hasn't released any new music since 2018. And it's and it's strong, would you say? Yes. I would say the first okay. album is is noticeably weaker than the next two. In fact, when we do our bottom six, they're actually all exclusively from the first record. Oh, <laughs> but they're but they're still not bad songs. Even the, right, even right, the right. worst song, I'm just like, I don't hate this. It's just the weakest mm-hmm. of what she has. Like, I think mm-hmm. that when we do our end of year bracket of the worst song that we've listened to this year, it's probably going to. I'm hard pressed to find another artist that's going to have a stronger weakest song. Like you, we're gonna list. This is actually gonna be. I almost want to say this doesn't. These songs don't belong on the bad music podcast. But you know, <laughs> just skip the artist completely and just be like, no. I mean, we'll <laughs> talk not about, quite as good. Music. We'll still talk about why it's not as good as the rest of her material. But like you know, I I guarantee you guys are gonna put on some of these and go, oh, I actually like this. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's just. It's almost like the first album just it feels like she's not she doesn't realize her it feels like a first album. She doesn't realize her potential yet. Like she's writing songs that you can tell don't completely fit her. It's kind of more just like, "Oh, I bet this song would be fun to do." And it doesn't have as much sophistication. Mm-hmm. There when you listen to 21, that may be one of the strongest albums I've ever heard as far as Every single song I listened to, I was like, that was incredible. It it there's 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 almost this this ferociousness in 21 that you, you feel like she's trying just like she she was caught by surprise by how well 19 did. She was surprised, I'm sure, that she won a Grammy. And it was kind of like she almost realized, I think, how good she was. Yeah. And it was almost like she she intentionally set out to make the best album ever. Like you almost, there's a, almost a ruthlessness in how good yeah, an intensity, the arrangements, like it's, it's this dramatic step up from 19. Like it's just, it's, it's almost scary. The mix is definitely noticeably better. Yeah. Like it's like the production is just like there. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. There's almost there's almost this ruthlessness of just like I'm gonna I'm gonna make these work on these songs until they're perfect, and just you can tell that she's writing she's she's set out to write hits, like songs that just doesn't matter if this style is not in vogue they're gonna be too irresistible, and she was right. <laughs> it's just it's I I remember just listening to it and just like oh my god. How how is an album this deep? And and then and then twenty five is I mean no album could ever live up to twenty one. When you have an album that's that massive, like you know that it's going to be really difficult to come up with something not even that that bests it but even matches it. But twenty five is really good. And so you do have some that's it's still really strong. And so I do it. It stands better than 19 does also. And so 
you know, just there's nothing wrong with 19. You can just feel that it's just, it's almost like she's she made the album for herself. It was it, it almost felt like she wasn't trying to conquer the world with that first record. She just it was almost like it was it's one of her lifelong dreams to make a record. So I just made a bunch of songs that I really like. Where with with mm-hmm. the next two there's there's this expectation almost she she has a mission with it so is that was that the actual philosophy behind the first record yeah she definitely said that um she never had more fun making a record than the first one because there was absolute mm-hmm. i'm sure there was absolutely no pressure to mm-hmm. make it again she was an unknown um Another thing that I actually found funny was that she pretty much owes the even the very beginning launching of her career to MySpace. Because she posted a bunch of demos of some of the songs she was working on on MySpace, and that's what got the attention of her record label. That's awesome. So you can add her to the list of MySpace artists. It's not just for deathcore bands. Yeah, from Deathcore to Adele. Yep. Oh, that'd be a great book de- title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can just, you can tell that it's just, and you can just hear it in the songs. She's not trying to, like I said, take over the world. You can just tell that she's just having fun. The songs are not as much structured to be these big pop epics. Um, there's there's some songs that are just there's almost like this this funness something that you really can't say about either of her follow-ups one of the things that made her Mm -hmm. so big was that she wrote very sad songs and there's not a lot of sadness on the first record there's actually a lot of there's kind of some funk in some places some some you can tell that she wanted to be a jazz singer that like you could tell that she loved people like Etta James and like those those cool jazz old school singers that that's kind of the vibe she was going for like a like a modern hipster uh jazz singer and so she's got stuff that's got like some funky roads piano and yeah some cold shoulder is a really good song yeah and very like she's got some really bluesy songs, um, and it's it's really actually the songs that ended up big were the ones that kind of where she got more serious and um, and kind of went for that that big heartbreaking pop epic, like with Chasing Pavements or with uh, Make You Feel My Love, and those were the two songs that, and Hometown Glory, where those were the songs that really. Um, really got her career moving, and then she, and then Twenty One is just an, an, an album of all that. Twenty One, the whole theme of that album is her going through a really bad breakup. Mm-hmm. Like all of every single one of those songs, except for the one song on there that's a cover, is about the same person. It's almost a concept <laughs> in a very loose sense. Oh my lord! Because it's not. Imagine being that guy. Wow. Because it's all about one person. Yeah. It's not. It's not. You know, there. None of them are fictional stories. None of them are about someone else. Um, 
they're all about the same person about like she she wasn't done breaking up with him when she made the album and that's why some of the songs she's like wanting to make it work other times she's in despair going it's never going to work it was kind of like it was still in the up and down part where it was tumultuous but there's no um there's no sweet endearing songs on 21 all of them are bitter and it was but but people connected with that Mm -hmm. and then uh and then you have 25 that is um meant to be an album of reconciliation about reconnecting and so that's kind of the theme of that Mm -hmm. album is not it's about moving on and healing Mm -hmm. and kind of coming either coming to terms with a breakup or or repairing a relationship um so that's kind of that's kind of the uh, i guess you could say the trajectory of her songwriting Mm-hmm. Do you think that she's going to write something new? She is. Or do you think she's it was done? It was supposed to come out September of last year, and then it got delayed because of uh, COVID. But she mm-hmm. made her first public appearance in a very long time when she hosted SNL a couple of months ago. That was kind of like a – like she is a very private person. She does not engage in the big – so like – it's kind of crazy how it's like ever since we did the Bruce Springsteen episode, he's becoming like our, our go-to on explaining people and their celebrity lifestyles. Mm -hmm. He's like an archetype. Yeah. Um, But he. Him and Brandon Flowers and Adele all partying at the same place, their own home. Pretty much. Yeah. She (laughs) was never like, she still has the same friends she had when she was a teenager. And, you know, just very much like when she's out in public, she's like not wearing makeup. She's not dressed all fancy, like just is like a regular person and mm-hmm. and, and and very much desires to be so. Um, especially she said now that she has a, a son, that she's very much all about being in his life, him having a normal life. Not going to be someone that's going to be in the constant right record tour cycle. She said that she almost didn't make twenty five because he was like two years old at that point. She had him in between those two records, and she she said that she almost gave up on music completely because she felt it was too selfish that she should devote all of her time to being a mother and give him mm-hmm. everything. And then, well, I bet the next album's probably going to be about that. Probably. Um, but she did say that it's almost done and that it should be coming out sometime in 2021. Well, she has enough money to take her time. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. she really never has to work again. Yeah. She has made a serious amount of money. So at this point, mm-hmm. if she does it, it's because she wants to. And she said that that's what got her through 25. She said that 25 was the hardest album she ever wrote. Because she was constantly battling this guilt that she felt about having to always leave her son and going, you know, is is it selfish to make this album? And then she kind of like came to this, just like, you know what? It's good for me to have my things, to do something for me. And also, I want him to be able to see his mom being awesome at something and, and yeah. be able to kind of just 
see me on stage and going, hey, that's my mom. Yeah. Because now what, her kid would be... He's probably seven or eight now. Yeah. Because I think he was born like maybe like 2013 or something like that. Yeah. So um, I'm very, I'm very curious what the new album would even be like, what it would sound like. I feel like, I feel like just music has changed so much, but at the same time, like she's not completely basing what she does off of where music is. But I know that in some way it does. Like, I mean, you listen to 25 and you can, you can hear a modern yeah the sound evolved a little bit yeah you can tell that that was her kind of putting a more modern twist to her sound and she writes with like all of the big modern pop writers like she she writes with uh ryan tedder and she writes with um bruno mars and like she doesn't write a ton of her music she writes all of her lyrics and then she usually brings an idea of a song, and then she has a professional songwriter help her, like get the melody she wants, yeah, and does. and help her yeah. produce. But obviously, the the big thing she provides is she provides all the lyrics. No one writes lyrics for her. That's why she feels so personal to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. lyrics are so hard. Yeah, I can. I can't do it. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> yeah. I have. I have tried before, and I was, and I wrote them down, and I looked at them afterward, and I was like, "This is maybe one of the worst things I've ever read." <laughs> and I, at the time, I was writing, I was just like, "Man, this is awesome." I need to find a band. Yeah, exactly. Back back. I need to find a band to give me <laughs> lyrics to because this is incredible. And then, like, I read them like a month later, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this sucks!" <laughs> so I just—you definitely have to have that gift. Like, you have it or you don't. So she and she's yeah. got it. Right. Right. I'm not. I'm not noticing a lot of cryptic lyrics. They seem very, very raw. Yeah. There. And there's like there's there's analogies and there's symbolism and whatever but it's all it's not very deep as far as conceptual uh-huh. it's not going to but it's, not it's, still, be it's still deep emotional right well and from from kind of like in the same way you're not going to get something that's super cryptic either uh-huh. it's a big reason why her her songs have been so relatable to so many people is that um she her lyrics connect with people people are listening mm-hmm. to it and go i have felt that same way too mm-hmm. but it's also not beatlemania mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a negative way. yeah so was, she, was she always just so musically talented yeah she like from, from wherever she was a mm-hmm. kid it just was her thing yeah she she told her mom when she was like seven or eight that she said that she's gonna write songs for a living and her mom like believed her because she was writing songs <laughs> and writing good songs and she was just like like you know how like your your kid will tell you something like i'm gonna be an astronaut one day and you're like yeah sure you know whatever <laughs> you say billy 
but like Adele explained that like she told her mom that and her mom was just like you're right I can't wait to hear those records like so apparently like from a early age she was showing that she had a serious ability it helped mm-hmm. that she said that her mom took her to a lot of concerts when she was quite young snuck her into oh, that's actually awesome. more correct <laughs> so she she was around good music all the time and then just she just she just had that that songwriting ability and the voice right so right i i i think that's one of the things that at least for me because I mean, technically, we're still talking about first thoughts. This is just Lucas's very long first. Thought. I, I completely <laughs> forgot that we were doing the first. Th- I was just, I was just. That's, well, that's well, well. That's fine. Like, no, that's like, good. So I'll, we'll, we'll take the chance, Grant, to throw it to you. Okay. Well, I was just, th- I was just saying, like, that's one of the things that I think is a big turnoff from Adele is her voice. Is not because like she's bad like somebody like Tom Petty who has a technically bad voice but like she is good and this is the case for me right what i've heard in the past um and obviously i've changed in my musical taste since you know she was big and so i definitely am coming at it from a new angle but i did not like her voice at all i thought that how is that even possible i well i thought she just articulated diff- like the wrong parts of words it was just it, it was kind of it's kind of a pet peeve kind of thing you can't really explain why you don't like it but you just don't um and now listening again it's like i can get past that which sounds really bad that i'm saying oh i can get past it but it's like that's the reality of the situation it's like i'm willing to look past the one or two parts in every song that I'm like, uh, the pronunciation on that just really makes my ear go, eh, that I'm not going to discount the rest of the song anymore. Um, so I think that's, that's an important development, I guess, for me, especially because of like the past year, you know, just listening to all sorts of different music on the podcast. Um, as, as well as just, she was so popular and so a lot of because I was in middle school when she was big. And so, of course, all of all of the girls would talk about going to the Adele concert and listen to Adele. And all the guys were like, oh, Adele is gross. And, you know, the girls would sing the Adele songs all the time in the hallways and it got on our nerves and whatever. And so I had kind of that sort of um, bias against Adele as well. And my sister would listen to Adele a lot. And she would listen to hits, too. But I didn't know... Like, I knew that I didn't like the songs because she just listened to them so mm, much. She's like, and I was like, it was overplayed. It's like a similar right? experience with My Chemical Romance for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And But I didn't know they were Adele. Oh. I didn't know. I just assumed this is what all pop listens to because that's what was always on the radio, which makes sense because she was the biggest artist at the time, you know, but it was, I thought that it was very basic music and I thought that that's what everybody sounded like. 
and I didn't get it because I wasn't well versed enough in that in the current music of the time even though I was alive I had no idea what pop music was at the time so I guess revisiting it I have more of a appreciation for now it's part of the journey it yeah it is <laughs> it is and and yeah i'm just gonna leave it at that i'll i'll leave the rest for final thoughts ethan <laughs> um i right whenever i heard adele's voice i knew that she was one of the best singers of the modern era i was i was kind of I I know. I have I have heard all of the songs on on our six set, like on the set list. You know, I I'm not. I well, I guess before this, I wouldn't say I'm like, oh, I'm a huge Adele fan. I have never sat down and listened through all of twenty one or all of twenty five, but like I listen to the radio, you know, and I and I pay attention to what's popular, and so I knew whenever. It, I knew, like, whenever Adele won all the Grammys, I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I was already kind of, like, in the in the know about it, even though I wasn't a fan. Yeah. You know? And I, and I know why she's popular, and I, you know, I, and even like, hearing, I didn't know that she was, like, I didn't know that she had set all those records. I didn't know that she was, I, I kind of put her, like, um, and Taylor Swift kind of in the same category, I guess. But I thought that Adele had her time and then she like dipped below Taylor Swift, you know, like I thought it was like, oh, Adele's here. And then like she kind of went away, even whenever 25 came out. I didn't I didn't love 25 whenever it came out or the the whatever the hits were off of 25. I, I never really like gelled with uh-huh. them, you know, but I still knew that they were good songs. and I knew that Adele was good, you know, and so I was kind of in this in this kind of like Adele kind of comes and goes, mm-hmm. you know, phase where I, I had kind of just put her as like, I know Adele, I know her, her niche, you know, but then like whenever I'd hear Adele song on the radio, I'd be like, Oh, there's rolling in the deep, you know? And I'd just like change it, you know, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but I was like, Oh, set fire to the rain, change it. Also, I hate sad songs. Probably. Uh-huh. Naturally, I just don't really gravitate to sad songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I cannot deny, you know, that, like, I think, Lucas, me and you used to play that game where it was, like, assemble your, like, modern, like, like, who who would you assemble as, like, a super group of, like, people that are only dead? Like, yeah. if you could raise five people back to life, who would you have, you know? Or if you could, you know, like, you assemble a super group, it's, like, if you if it was, like, you need a female vocalist of the modern era, who are you picking? It's, like, if you don't pick Adele, you know? Means like, you're going you for an underdog you know? choice. <laughs> like, yeah, but you know, it's just so it's like I have already, I've respected Adele more from a singing standpoint, but I feel like I had known I'm not in the dark about Adele already, kind of first thoughts out the gate, but I'm excited to like really analyze the songs and kind of get into her writing because I think mm-hmm. that that always changes the perspective for me. Um, was there anything else that you guys uh, were wanting to touch on that you were 
yes, you mentioned British. she was from the UK. Did you not know she's, that? Whoa. She's English, English British. Yep. No. Oh, when she, she talks, it's like, like a, cocky. Like a Brit. Like that like, makes like sense. She talks like this. Oh my lord. Oh, my name's Dale. I mean, I'm terrible at accents, so don't take my... That kind of had a little bit of a country, southern flavor to it. But, like, one of the biggest jokes among her fan base is how... How can someone sound so elegant when she sings and sounds so, like, hardcore British when she talks? Like, she has two completely different voices. Well, a lot of, a lot of. Yeah, but there's also British. British like, like, I feel like someone like Chris Martin. You're not surprised when you hear him talk, because his voice. Doesn't... Uh-huh. Yeah, he he sings and talks more similar. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, she's like, yeah, you when you hear her talk, like yeah. it's there, it's undeniable that she's British. That probably would why explain yeah, the why why she ha- the pronounces everyone. things wow. strangely to you. It's it's because of her accent. Yeah, that ex- that explains it exactly. Yeah, and so I assume that this is, because we haven't touched on it yet. That because she is on the other side of the pond, that doesn't affect her history does, at all. Does that she just kind of make her the second life. biggest? Um, no, the time. Rolling Stones have still. And she hasn't sold more records than like Queen or Pink Floyd, just because they've gotten massive. <laughs> yeah, she's twenty one. Also, lot. is like the like the fourth best selling record of all time. Yeah, but if she releases another yeah, I album, I mean, we're talking three albums. If she had made she's more only records, made three albums on her fourth album. On her fourth album, she's gonna get start getting. Yeah, because right now Queen is the UK biggest seller of all time. And um, so, but yeah, she's she's like she's like number four on the list. Because I mean, yeah, you got to contend with people that have like like someone like Pink Floyd that has one record that's sold fifty million, and that's just one of their records. You know, she she's. She's hasn't sold a hundred million albums yet, and there's there's still quite a yeah. few artists that have just because they've released a ton more records than she has. Like you know, you look at someone like right. like Pink Floyd; they've sold over two hundred million albums. Queen has sold over two hundred million records. It's just they also have such longer discography. They were they came from a time where you're releasing an album a year, and if when you're releasing a huge hit record each year, as well as you know you got greatest hits albums and live albums, it's just like they some of these other artists just have the the num. It's why the you know the Beatles and the Rolling Stones sit so high up is not only were just about all their records massive, but they have a ton of them. You know, Rolling Stones specifically, like, I wouldn't say a lot of their records were massive sellers on their own, but they've released so gosh dang many of them. Uh, It's a reason why Rush Mm -hmm. is actually one of the biggest selling artists of all time. Not one of their records was like a massive seller, but 
all of the records always had a very strong um, uh, performance, and they've got like 22 of them, so you add it all together, and it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, if you sell 20 Ooh. million Ooh. per record, you know? Yeah, 20 million. That's... You have that kind of fan base. You actually would be surprised by how few records have sold more than 20 million just by themselves. But, you know, the artist, like, you know, you look at Pink Floyd, not only is Dark Side a 50 million, but you've also got a 40 million selling with The Wall and another 30 million selling with Wish You Were Here. So it's just like, they've got so many of those records that were just like these massive juggernauts to where it's amazing what Adele has done with the little amount of music she's made. If you were, uh, I guess, say... um compile it like for what she has released probably no one else in history has achieved so much with such little music you know mm-hmm. mm, Except she, I, she sold more than Boston has I guarantee oh yeah 21, oh, really? 21 is a bigger selling album than that first record well okay if you get rid of the other two albums, then both of their first albums. I don't understand wins. that argument. I'm I. If you're if you're judging by, <laughs> so you're saying Boston's a better band because they have a better first record. I'm I'm no, I'm not saying Boston's a better band. I'm saying that Boston had a. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about a meteoropic rise, you know. Yeah, but they never had a number. They're one eventually hit. going to come into the conversation. Oh, for sure, but but they had a at, at the time they had the great at the time they had the biggest selling debut of all time, of and then Guns N' Roses beat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, um, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the six songs that we picked for this set. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Adele and her meteoropic rise to fame and fortune in the music industry, particularly the modern music industry. And now it is time to talk about the six songs we have selected for this episode. So if you are new, welcome. And you're probably confused. Why are we talking about six songs? We just talked all about Adele. Can't I go listen to the songs on my own? Well, Lucas has the explanation for you take away lucas so what we do with these songs is we are introducing people to adele that may not be too familiar with her i know certainly i was it's hard to think with someone as big as her that there's people that haven't listened to her but you know i kind of almost think about our our rock and roll stalwarts that you know don't want to admit that they want to listen to pop music um (laughs) this is going to be their introduction to adele so it's not necessarily me picking just what are her best songs or what are my favorite songs or what are her most popular songs, but rather we're picking the songs that if you are unfamiliar with her, this is going to be your best first step. This is going to be the way to get into her as an artist and hopefully spur you to become a fan. Also, the way that I am 
picking and ordering the songs is so that I can create an emotional flow from start to finish that the songs transition well off of each other. And that by the end of the set, you have a uh, cathartic experience. And the way that you can go listen to these songs is there's a link in the description of the episode that will take you to a Spotify playlist that will have not just these songs, but all the songs from our previous episodes as well. So please go check out the songs, even if you have heard them before, even if you're a super fan. Um, listen to the songs in this order. I guarantee you'll get something new out of it. And I think that we can go ahead and get started with the first song of this set. Really, what I felt is the most logical place that you can start. Mm-hmm. And that's really it's a good way. It's a good way to start. That acoustic intro is is nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it builds in such a way that it it works so well as a first song. It's another reason why you know. I'm sure that it was the first single released as well as it was the first song on the album. Mm-hmm. So it is was there a point to asking what this song is about? Because aren't they I all mean, about the same thing? This is, I mean, the to say that they're all, that something's just a breakup song is, I think, selling it short a little bit. But, um, you know, that's that's really what this was. This is a song that is not just a breakup song, but it's also like a revenge song. Mm. It's not just, I never want to see you again, but I never want to see you again, and I'm going to burn everything that you love. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. I'm going to destroy your life. Like, it's just, it's 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 that rage you feel of the betrayal of someone that told you that they were going to love you forever and then breaks your heart. You know, there's there's this there's this sinister quality to it, this um, this this rage. Like she's she's not. This is not a song of oh boo hoo I'm sad. She's got other songs on the album like that. That's that's the 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 big anchor around a song like somebody like you. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is almost a song about like. Um, you know, I'm so mad that I'm blacking out in rage, which is a thing. My wife says this happened to her a couple times while she's driven and had road rage. She says that she like almost goes black. She's she gets so wow. Angry. And that <laughs> it's this is this is this is the lashing out of the breakup. Mm-hmm. This is this is the mm-hmm. you know like when you go through a breakup, there's usually multiple phases and emotions you go through. Sometimes you go through multiple emotions at the exact same time. This is the, this is the F you song pretty much. Mm -hmm. This is, and it's kind of like saying, you know, that, that line, we could have had it all is, is her saying, you know, like, do you realize what you just left behind? I, Mm -hmm. I was, I could have been everything that you wanted. We would have had an incredible life together, and you screwed it up. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. one to blame but yourself. Mm. And that's pretty much what this song is about. And I mean, just you know, there's there's some chilling lines in there, 
Like, uh, yeah. you know, don't underestimate the things that I will do. Yeah. Uh, I love that backing choir line, the uh, he's going to wish he'd never had met me, uh-huh. you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't catch this when I was first listening to it, but, you know, listening back through the set, because, you know, I listened multiple times, but um, it kind of sounds like there's a lot of, um, I was about to say a lot of Adele influence, well, duh, but a lot of ABBA influence. Mm. Like the like the backing vocals sound very very like ABBA. a like a a dark ABBA. Well, ABBA. I mean there is dark ABBA that exists, but yeah, probably not that dark. Yeah, I, well, I mean I haven't I haven't listened to dark whole lot dark in a very different way. I haven't listened to a whole but, lot of ABBA, so I can't like definitively say that. But all the ABBA I've heard usually they're they're not angry songs. I mean. Yeah, well, don't don't forget that ABBA is Swedish, and most Swedish artists have that duality to them. That's true. <laughs> so, but but yeah, and I had never noticed that because obviously I didn't have the ear for that. I've heard the song many many times, many many times, but I never had the ear for like the different parts of the song, like the second uh, the second verse. The piano is a little syncopated. It's a little delayed. And I didn't realize that, you know, obviously listening the first few times that there is like the nuanced nature to this music. It's not just, oh, hey, I'm going to write a hit and it's going to be the most simple thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a there's more thought put into this than meets the eye. Yeah, I, I... right. It's it's not. Yeah. There's also so many genres that are kind of bleeding together. Like you've got yeah. you've got you've got blues, you've got ballad, you've got disco, you've got gospel, kind of all like combining into this this furious uh combination. Mm-hmm. And the it's yeah, cuz weird the the melody she's singing is blues. Uh-huh. But the way she's singing it is not. And it's it's one of those things that shouldn't work, but I think that just because, like, it's her voice, it does. Now, like, once again, I'm not particularly a fan of her voice, but I do think that there are times where she, there are some melodies that only her voice can really pull that off. Yeah, that, that those high notes in the chorus are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that break in her voice... Is so good. Yeah. When she says deep, yeah. Mm-hmm. When it just when it just immediately switches to falsetto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very um, it's a very passionate performance. But apparently, there is a the original demo is rumored to be even better. Why? Because because she wrote it in the heat of the moment of when she was having the fight, and she like she like had the fight with him ran into the studio, wrote it instantly, and then did a rough demo while everything was still fresh. And apparently, like, they could never recreate how um, massive it was. That's the worst. But also... They should re-release it. Yeah, they should release it. This is the demo. I wonder if they, like, if it was one of the things where maybe they, like, it got deleted somehow, or... 
I don't know, but that's that's and that's not even I don't think that's completely confirmed. That's like just a rumor that I had heard. Well, rumor has it. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we're quite ready to head that way. That's a temp, that's a tempting <laughs> note to end on. Yeah. Um, that, I know, I know. If you guys don't have anything else, we could. I mean, I it is it is a tempting note. But, I think we've we've opened Pandora's box. I think we can always, you know, touch on the album as a whole as we keep going. I will say though that this is the song that built Adele's house. Like yeah. this is this is this this is the song that her entire career is stands upon because this was yes. her first number one hit. This is her big selling song. You know, mm-hmm. it. I was also what was amazing was that it took like it climbed up the charts for sixteen weeks before it sat at number one for like ten weeks in a row. Huh. Wow. You don't really see that anymore. I know. Like mm-hmm. it had a it had a very slow climb, but it it had what you would call legs. Where it just <laughs> kept running and it didn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I just I this this was this was a a hit that I don't think that anyone could have predicted happening. Because again, mm-hmm. for as as well as that first record did, she didn't have a number one hit on that album. I think Chasing Cavements yeah. went to like number three or something like that. Even though it did win mm-hmm. uh, Song of the Year that year. Um, you know, it wasn't a massive runaway song. This song was her first one that just kind of like completely showed that she was here to dominate. Now, um, oh, I had a great question. I completely forgot what it was as soon as I said now. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> Ethan knows what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Oh, and also, um, I put it at number three on the ranked playlist. Number three? Mm-hmm. Her defining song is number three. Well, you know, she's she's got many songs that can take the title for defining song. She, she has four oh. number one hits, by the way, and three of them are on 21. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hmm. okay. But I mean, yeah. This is the worst. I'm going to remember what that question is like 20 minutes later. Number three is nothing to, to scoff at. Number three. Well, I mean, also at the same time, you, you can't use the argument of, oh, she has a large discography. So number three is really good. But yeah. <laughs> but it is she really has good. a small discography, but, but all her discography is reportedly, according to you, you know, which I trust your opinion, is pretty good. Yeah. So number three must be pretty good. Um, anything else you guys wanted to add in or ask? Let's go. No, other than just, I think the whole album just being like, there's not very many instruments, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we usually have a lot to talk about instrumentally, but it's just like a really. Oh, yeah. Does she play piano? Um, no. Usually, if she. 
actually, what I was, was very surprised about is that if she plays an instrument, she actually plays bass. Wow. That's actually kind of cool. So. For like a, a sync, because that's like Sting, right? Uh-huh. And for a modern artist to not play a lead instrument is really cool. Uh-huh. And also she uh she's a she's a fairly good guitar player. You know, not in the mm-hmm. sense of she's got lots of chops, but you know, that was that was a lot of her very beginning uh career was her like on stage with an acoustic guitar. Mhm. Okay, I remember what my question is. So um, you talked a lot about how she was very different from the other artists at the time. Uh-huh. And especially like the way that her lifestyle was and how, you know, Ethan talked about he doesn't go looking for a sad song. Now, all of her songs are sad and that definitely connected with people, but I don't think she was alone in the music industry of writing sad songs. No, but she, I would say that she was at that time. Because okay. 2011 was the time of the of the big party anthem. I mean, party rock anthem was like one of the big songs of that year. Mm-hmm. Like that was, I think Maroon 5 was making a lot of like really pop dancey stuff. Like that was, that was the flavor of the pop world at that time was like the, you know, forget how you feel, have a good time pop songs. Yeah. It's it's very different to the type of pop songs today. That's like the, it. I feel like Adele did something because Taylor Swift kind of did that. Yeah. Where it was like everyone else is being, you know, this way. And then Taylor Swift comes along, kind of writes the singer songwriter kind of like, let's not ignore our feelings. And like, this is actually just how I really feel. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, that's really good. Maybe I do need to think about my feelings. <laughs> and then everyone goes, you know, crazy over it. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, it was, it's more normal now, but it was not normal in 2011. 2011, everyone was on a, on a big high, which I think is just more interesting that, a, that an album like 21, which is a really, really depressing record in a good way though like there's very mm-hmm. few happy moments in that whole album but it 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 doesn't hit the same um mood of of sadness like it does a really good job of examining all the different aspects of what a breakup is like it's not just mm-hmm. a song i'm sad Next song, I'm sad again. Third song, I'm still sad. Fourth song, I don't know if I'll ever be happy again. Like it, it does a really good job of providing a lot of depth and diversity to everything that's going on. I heard yeah. there's a songwriting. There's something in the songwriting world where it's it's like you can write a sad song, but you can't be a loser. Mm. It, that was like the saying where it's like no one wants to hear a song about a loser they they want to hear about winners and I mm, think true. Rolling in the Deep is a good example of like like and like even our, the next like all of the songs that we're talking about are like 
these are songs of despair and sadness, but they're not written from a like boohoo. I feel so sorry for myself mm-hmm. standpoint. They're written from like rolling in the deep is like, like we could have had everything and you ruined it, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to wish you'd never mess with me, you know? And you, it's like Adele's still a winner, you know? And rumor has it, which is the next song, but like rumor has it, it's just like, like you did all this stuff, but but guess what? It's all kind of coming back on you, you know. And you wish, and again, it's kind of like you probably wish that you would have never done what you did. Yeah. So I guess we, so. Adele still makes it out on top without it being like, you know, there's not a super successful song that's just like a "I'm so sad, oh boohoo me." Mm-hmm. You I guess we've kind of spoiled it for about ten minutes at this point. We should move on to the next song. Yeah, so rumor has it, um, this this really does feel like like if you were to put the songs in 21 in like a narrative story, this feels like what would chronologically happen next. This yeah. this feels like the revenge. Like when she says, uh, don't underestimate the things that I will do, it's like we uh, this song is about what she would do. And that's and that's, does this come immediately after in the album? It does, and it's, oh. it just it felt right to put this. It, like I I heard the song because I never really heard this song before. I'd heard of it. I knew it was one of her big songs, but I'd never heard it before. And so when I heard this, and I I had kind of already had my mindset that Rolling in the Deep was going to be the intro song of the set. Uh, when I heard this, I was just like. Oh, I gotta put this as the second song because this just fits. This song feels like the the narrative it feels like is that the reason he betrayed her is because he left her for someone else. Like he cheated yeah. on her. And mm. he's he's decided to make a long-term relationship with her. And this it feels like she is intentionally spreading rumors to destroy their relationship just out of spite. Wow. Like it's, you don't get the sense that she's doing this so that he'll come back to her. It's almost like she has this mindset of, I can't have you. No one can. Oh, you, you, uh, you left me for her. Well, you know, I'm going to make sure that it doesn't last. It's it's it seems like it seems like she's yeah, she's spreading these false rumors like the whole thing about but rumor has it that she ain't got your love no more. Or rumor has it uh that I'm the one you're leaving her for. Like it 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 seems to me that she's doing it on purpose to break up that relationship. And then I think it's the 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 very interesting middle part of the song when it goes into that free yeah. form piano section. It's kind of like in that moment for a brief second, she kind of starts to feel bad about what she's doing, almost kind of like she knows it's wrong. And yeah, and she's mm-hmm. and she's kind of like for a brief moment, it's just like you know. Like she, like she's kind of trying to justify to herself that he deserves this, but she's not completely mm-hmm. yeah. sure. 
kind of almost like she's saying, well, don't don't blame me if you believe it, but there's a sadness to it. Mm. So that's that's yeah. the feeling that I get from it. And just I yeah, just I never had looked at it that way. I just thought it was like, ooh, cool musical part to break up the monotony of the clapping. Uh-huh. You know. I guess that makes sense. And then, man, you explaining the lyrics makes so much sense now. Because I thought it was just like, <laughs> oh, rumor has it, this is what I've heard, kind of thing. Yeah, I think so this I is think, like I think she's like she's telling other people, well, rumor has it. Like she, yeah, she's going to all people she and he knows, and kind of you know, uh, sowing the seeds of discord. You know, I heard through the. Man. And and she's and she's probably also in a way using it as a way to numb and mask her own pain. Like she's making herself the one, just like you know, he's gonna come crawling back. I already know it, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. like deep down she doesn't completely believe that. She's trying. Yeah. She's trying mm-hmm. to portray to everyone else that she doesn't feel as bad. And I think that again, that's what that middle piano is. It's kind of it's the brief break in the mask. Of kind of like it's for a brief moment she kind of goes back inside of herself and you hear that 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 abysmal pain that she feels and then it goes right back into the to the to the revenge. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because you just said in, in our during our last song that this whole album is sad, 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 but it's very nuanced. Yeah. It's like Rolling in the Deep was pretty dark. Rumor has it is pretty dark. But there's such a nuance to it as well. Yeah. One, uh, an, an album that, you know, Ethan was talking about, nobody wants to listen to The Losers, right? I think two albums that don't do that very well that I still kind of like are Load and Reload. Right, uh-huh. we talk about Metallica like completely selling out and then ruining their career with those two albums. I actually I kind of like them personally, but if you think about like why they weren't so big, it was probably because they they were writing winner songs, right, mm-hmm. for all of the '80s and into the '90s, and then they come up with songs like "Low Man's Lyric" and "Bleeding Me" and "The House That Jack Built" and stuff like total despair, like. Like, there is no winning line in some of those songs. But all of this, you know, what we've heard so far, like, rolling in the deep, like, I'm going to get my revenge, right? Like, this isn't how it ends. Or rumor has it, same same sort of thing, right? This isn't how it ends. Like, I still have my say in what happens. And I think that's that's really the difference that I'm seeing so far, and as I think as you explain the nuanced nature of the rest of the songs, I'm curious to see if that continues uh, and how it morphs as we go. What is the other thing that I think Rolling in the Deep and Rumor has that remind me, just from a big, like more of a meta songwriting perspective, mm-hmm. if your hook is good, it doesn't bother me that your chorus is repetitive. Yeah. I think I've been thinking about that a lot because I used to be like really big on like, oh, this song repeats all the time. But like Mm -hmm. rumor has it didn't bother me. 
Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's a song that I feel in, um, in another artist's hands, that chorus could have been really annoying. Yeah. But it just, yeah. When she, when, when she keeps saying rumor has it, like, I don't get annoyed with it. It feels right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also the tone that she's saying it in makes more sense having this right. lyrical explanation. She's mm-hmm. almost singing it like she's sing-songingly singing it. I also think she's having like having kind of mocking that, having kind of that pre-chorusy section, you know. Oh yeah, helps too. Mm-hmm. And the ABBA backing vocals. That's so cool. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if these are as close to that, but Rumor. you know what I mean. Yeah, she. They're, they're, yeah, she is really good, also at back backing vocals. Oh yeah, that's that's the that's the thing that I notice in this set the most. I had never maybe not so much the next song. I never but. paid attention to it as much before, but I kind of started because I had never noticed in Rolling in the Deep that there were background vocals. And I remember hearing, mm-hmm. listening to it the first time, getting ready for this episode. I was just like, oh. I had never heard that before. That actually makes the chorus so much cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like there's a lot of layers either. Mm-mm. It's very yeah, simple. It's song. But, but again... But it sounds like Wall of Sound. Uh-huh. Because she has a very full voice. Yeah. Um... Are you guys ready to move on to the next song? Yep. I think this song is Water Under the Bridge. <laughs> Good one. Zinger. <laughs> uh, oh, knee slap. This is, you can so, really tell from Rumor Has It to Water Under the Bridge, you can really hear the sound evolve between albums. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, this next song is Water Under the Bridge. Oh, I didn't tell you guys where uh, oh, Rumor yeah, Has It yeah. ranks. I put that at number eight. Ooh. Okay, so it'd be like high. in the top five. Man, <laughs> her top five is is ridiculous. So, um, I mean, pretty much all of her number one hits in another song are in the top five. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you go, you even go into, like, you start to get to, like, you know, 12 songs before the worst song, and they're still like, wow, what a great song. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, number yeah, eight so. is is still a worthy spot on a list like this. Are we going to announce where Water Under the Bridge is yet? Uh, that is at number 10. Wow. Okay. Uh, Ethan, you were saying that this, like, you can notice the change. Yeah. Well, they're not musically. using real drums. And I think I know what you mean. Off the, off the top. Well, that's that's not that may not necessarily be true. There is a lot of processing, though. Like, the... yeah. It's... 25 is definitely a more modern sounding record. They do, I think they that that's like kind a of bunch one of the phasing on the vocals on the chorus, which is super cool. And I think it's a good move. Uh-huh. But it's not as like grungy and blues 
bluesy produced, you know, as mm-hmm. uh, twenty one. Yeah, there's there's definitely, and I th- I think that it it suits more the theme of the record. Again, yeah. this is this is not meant to be as much the 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 down album. This is this is supposed mm-hmm. to be a uh, an album of of healing. And mm-hmm. so what this song is about is it's almost kind of about the the legacy of 21 and about this this one person that really from what it sounds like ruined her life for at least a little while. And mm-hmm. Um, the whole by the point that she wrote this record, she was in a new relationship. Obviously, she had her son, and she was with uh, the man that would eventually become her husband, and was the man that was the father of her child. Mm-hmm. But they weren't married yet at the time of recording this album. Mm-hmm. And he, this song is pretty much about her trying to learn how to trust and love again. She is expecting mm-hmm. at any moment for uh, some this person to do her wrong like her previous lovers have. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like she kind of she kind of like is expecting it. She's waiting for the other shoe to drop. She's going it's going great right now, but there's no way it can last because that's just what my history has always been. She's scarred. She's she almost she she's she's had trauma that she's kind of still trying to deal with because that oh that last Lord. breakup was so hard. And so that's why, you know, she's she's almost like she's she's almost being pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Like she's, you know, someone that is like, you know, you're in a relationship and all of a sudden, you know, someone randomly breaks up with you when everything's going perfectly. And you're like, why, why did that happen? You're just like, I just, I want to, I want to quit before things get bad because it's going to be bad. Wow. There's so much Mm -hmm. to, wow. There's a lot to unpack. And that makes sense with the, if you're going to let me down, let me down. Why she has such a, you're going to end up being a jerk. Just kind of like, don't be too big of a jerk and just tell me now and then we'll end it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like she's and and the whole thing is she's she keeps asking him, Why are you still here? Why why do you still want to be with me? I I love you and I want to be with you, but you know what this could potentially become. It's just it's again, she's she doesn't it's like she's she can't remember what being in a good, healthy relationship is like. And it's and it's and it's and it's strange and foreign to her. But but the thing that they, that you keep seeing through the verses is that he won't go. He's staying, and she's and it's like she's trying to wrap her mind around it. She's trying to understand mm-hmm. why are you staying? Why are you continuing to be good to me? What's the catch? What's the catch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, that's I can see why she has a lot of <laughs> appeal because there is a lot of realism to this. Yeah, every line and has these, its own meaning. The personality mm-hmm. is so good. 
Like, it's, it's really good. Catchy. Oh my gosh, the, all the melodies are really good. This, I think, this is one of the when strongest I... hook songs she's ever written. Oh man, without a doubt. When I first heard, I had never heard this song before. You sent us the list, and of course, you know, I was I was skeptical about the songs that I hadn't heard, obviously, and I knew that I well, okay. I'll say that I thought I knew I wasn't going to like the hits that I had heard. But when I heard this song, this was the first on the list that I hadn't heard before. And I honestly, I thought it like a commercial came on because yeah. of the delayed guitar. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like some, some like Lowe's commercial or something. And I was like, no, this is the actual song. And then like her voice came in and then like the song started. And then I almost went and listened to it again, which is it, which isn't something I do very often unless i'm just listening to music on my own i don't ever try to go back and re-listen to a song when i'm listening to the sets but i just i felt like As in, every stopped, time you I were, to the set, you stopped where you are in the set and listened to it again i no, I, I didn't do that but i had such a strong i had to force myself to keep going but every time i listened to the set i was looking forward to this song I, I wanted to listen to the set because I wanted to listen to this song hmm. because there was just so much instrumentational depth and the producing was very good. And this is, this is a complete other side of music from what I listen to. I don't listen to a lot of highly produced stuff, right? Um, probably, probably the most produced things I'll ever get to is, is like dream theater. Right. And that's still mostly, you know, mm-hmm good stems a lot of this is so much into the oh how are we gonna get the delay right on this instrument how are we gonna get the effects right here and the reverb here to get this sort of atmosphere and it was very atmospheric and i i also i kind of have like a soft spot for atmospheric stuff and i think that's how it appealed to me particularly and but anyway i just think it's just it's. I don't see anything wrong with <laughs> yeah. this song at all, except for the fact that it's four minutes. <laughs> too short. It's it's a little too short for my taste, right? But yeah, I don't have anything bad to say about this one, so I'm not even going to start talking about anything yeah, it's good, because it's all good. All right. Again, we get the, the these sweet background uh, vocals on the choruses. Yeah. And also that then mm-hmm. when that say it ain't so comes in towards the end, I had never noticed that before. And I, this was one of the songs that I had heard a bunch, uh, Callie listening to whenever we were first dating. And this was one of, I, I never disliked this song, but I was just kind of like, yeah, this song's okay. It's not that good. And then recently I've been more and more like, Oh wow, this is a great song. <laughs> I I know I I had to text one of my friends from uh, middle school who didn't like Adele. I'm like, you have to listen to this song. It sounds like you too. And I knew I'd get him with that because he likes you too. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you're right. This is actually a really good song. <laughs> uh, but it's like, yeah. And and I haven't recommended music to somebody from an episode for a for a while now. Uh huh. So that was a that was a notable experience. Wow! So this this that, song really impacted you. This song really <laughs> did. This song really did, and 
explaining the the lyrical nuances make me appreciate it more obviously you know i've said multiple times that's not why i listen to music or tend to listen to music but when a song has good lyrics and good well thought out lyrics you can't ignore it yeah yeah ethan did you have anything so, else you wanted to pull out of this no, song it's all good. everything in the song is good you need to, if you it's don't listen good. to the set normally, this is a song to go listen to if you don't, haven't already heard it. If you have four minutes left, well, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast. You just listen to the songs, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, um, so this this song kind of like, I guess you could say closes the chapter on uh, the first half of the set. I think that you've you've got these two angry songs, and then it's like kind of this song is kind of serves almost as like a as a turning mm-hmm. point. Like she, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're so being hurt, this is I think this is a song that kind of helps to t- start to turn the emotion of the set, and it allows us to get into some of the ballads because really the ballads are what she's mm-hmm. most known for. Like when you think of Adele, you think yeah. of big ballads. And she says that that's what she likes to write the most anyway. So we're staying on 25 for this next song. Into a song called When We Were Young. Not When You Were Young by The Killers. When we Yeah, how does it say? Where does this rank? So this, number 12. Okay. Um, this was the song... When my wife was playing the uh, Adele record when we were first dating, that was, this was the first one that really like kind of caught my interest. The other songs took more time to grow on me, but this was the song the first time I heard. It, I was just like, "Oh, this is a really good song." Why do you think that was? I don't know. I do think that the lyrics did stick out to me like i love that line of it was just like a movie yeah i, just I was like gonna say song. the pre-course of this song is mm-hmm. in my opinion the best part of i mm-hmm. really especially when she does I, last time and she does that huge I'm big not note. A huge fan of the chorus of this song and i think it's just because she hits that mm-hmm. same note a lot of times like the let me photograph you in this light and she goes through that stuff Mm -hmm. like and Mm -hmm. i remember this from whenever Mm -hmm. i listened to it before and and i still think the lyrics on this song and and the songwriting is still really good but that's i just love the pre-chorus so much and then every time i go to the yeah the pre every time i go to the chorus i'm just and it's probably also like for some reason like that frequency of her voice just kind of like hurts my ears (laughs) Like, let me photograph you. Yeah. I'm just like, woo, man, you are going for it. Well, I, I think, I think there's a music theory reason for that, and I think that this is this is very smart on her part, is because she's do, she's hitting that note over and over and over again, and then when she gets to the second half of the chorus, she'll hit it one more time, and then that next line almost gets there. Right, so it's kind of almost like a like a melancholy, like some kind of lost something, 
Uh, I don't know the lyrical content yet, but it's almost like it's a lost dream or like a lost past. It's talking about when we were young, so I'm sure it's got something to do with that. Yeah. But that's that's sort of the feeling that it gets to me. But I see what you mean, like just from a purely, you know, what notes are happening perspective. Yeah, she does hit that note a lot. Um, so I guess with that, no, let's get into the lyrical meaning before we get too far. First off, Adele said that uh, this was her favorite song of on twenty five. Wow! So she she okay. definitely really likes it. Um, and pretty much this song is about uh, lovers reconnecting after a very long period, and you get the feeling that he, that he's the one that got away that like she even though like mm-hmm. there's there's no way that they could ever be together again just because their lives have taken such different um trajectories it's kind of like this feeling of just like they she wants to at least for one night kind of you know feel like she did back in those days when they were young because he looked like a movie and sounded like a song back then and he still does today and it's kind of like she's she doesn't want to have him back she just wants to relive the feeling that they had together even just for one evening mm-hmm. and so it's it's you know, it's it's also interesting that it takes place like in a crowded room. Like you can like they're at a party pretty much. Maybe like a like a school reunion or something to where yeah. it's not just the two of them and it's it it's it feels like he's not returning that sentiment that it's not this is not a mutual feeling that it's it's kind of her by herself kind of you know wishing to have this this experience but he like doesn't even see her anymore he doesn't recognize her he doesn't he doesn't feel the same way almost like he's completely moved on from his life and he's okay with it but she she kind of is realizing in that moment that there's a part of her with him that she hasn't let go of so sad Hmm. yeah yeah that that makes sense with my with my um internal musical uh emotional judgment i don't know how to explain it <laughs> it just it makes sense that makes sense and i think that her vocal melody selection highlights yeah. that it's it's mournful but at the same time it's not like it's not in the same way that say someone like you is where it's this, it's this pitiful sadness. It's kind of like, it's almost like an acceptance. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to have you back. I just want one night. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she's trying to, trying to figure out if that's too much to ask for. Mm-hmm. And almost, almost maybe in a way to grab to get closure. Mm-hmm. Like she's just like you know, I just want to, I want to have one last time to kind of resolve these feelings I have, and then I can move on. Mm-hmm. 
but she no and i think that that's kind of the that's the the torment of the song is that she wants that that release but he won't give it to her because he doesn't feel the same way he has moved on yeah This is, that's wow. a very complex emotion. Um, that's that's the other thing I think good songs have is it's not like, like, it's it's really easy for a song to be like, oh, I want to like write a song about missing my ex, you know, and it's like no 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 like mm-hmm. more specific, and it's like okay, and then you get to the point where it's like I want to write a song about <laughs> seeing my ex at a party, and and wanting to feel that like feeling that I had with him one more time but he's already moved on that's what I want and it's just like what it's like mm-hmm. the song is just so much more vibrant and complex whenever you like mm-hmm. oh yeah just change like the setting and the context of like you know it's just like oh it's not just a I miss my ex song like this isn't like a oh I just missed my ex it's like so much it is but like there's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers that that's that's one of the both um hard and easy things about writing you know like a concept album or an album with a narrative is that it's very easy to come up with a narrative but it's very very hard to put it in the song because it's like you can't tell the facts you have to tell the feelings you know and you have to tell the complex emotions but if you're able to portray those complex emotions the narrative will come out and I think that, like, you know, going through just these first four songs, we've had some pretty deep stories come out of them that, you know, if I had actually, like, looked at the lyrics and examined the lyrics and, and looked at the story of the song for myself, I probably could have come up with it. But I'm glad that we have this podcast because then <laughs> Lucas can figure it out and I can just hear his explanation. And what do you guys think about the yeah. ending of this song? So, like, from the – like – what, what do you I mean? almost whenever I heard this song in the car I was just somewhere in my mind I was like man this would have been a great ending song to the set but it's not hmm really? it ain't and I it agree ain't. more with the with the song that is at the it end ain't. whenever I was listening <laughs> to it like whenever the, the choir comes in with the mm-hmm. when we were young when we were I was just like, ooh, I feel really good about ooh, this song. Yeah, right. and and those, those, I know, those but then whenever it like builds back up into the chorus, I was just like, yeah. And I felt really good in that moment. <laughs> it, it feels so defeated yeah. at the end. Like, it's almost like what she wanted to happen didn't happen, and it actually made things yeah. worse. Like, what started off as an attempt to find reconciliation actually it feels like it drove her more into yep. a depression like it made her it made her start thinking about things that she hadn't thought about and it's like it's kind of almost like it and feels the song like it's like sinking her down fade out she's it just like in it's just like and it's over and then yeah. lets you sit in the silence for like a good like 10 seconds of nothing Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. for me, having the the piano just come right in on the next song, I feel like just it it oh, feels yeah, so that's... good. 
Mm-hmm. But before we get to the next song, um, which I think we're heading that direction, obviously, you know, we've had choir parts in the good music podcast before. Now it's very obvious when it's not the um, lead singer doing the background vocals, for example, and you can't always get what you want. That's definitely not Mick Jagger <laughs> singing the choir. It is it? But <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it could be just, you know, they tuned him up or sped it up or something, you know, but I have to ask, cause we talked about how she's such a good background singer as well. Is she doing the yes, choir? Here? <laughs> wow. Oh my lord! I expected you to say yeah, no. She is. I expected you to be like, "No, that's such a dumb question." <laughs> you but, oh idiot! Oh my lord! Oh my lord! Talk about a good background vocalist. Uh-huh. Diverse. Okay. Not only are you are you selling me on her good songwriting, but I think you're starting to sell me on her her vocal talent as well. There we go. Wow. Okay. I'm ready for the next. All time, right, though. so this is going to be our um, our representative from 19 on this set. Yep. And so is this? Wait, you said the next song is number 19? Or... It's not. No, uh, it's it's our okay. it's our representative okay. no, from, from the album. album 19. No, this is this is number six. Oh wow! This was so her most successful song no. from 19. Uh, I, 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 no, it's not because I look at Spotify streaming Ooh. numbers. Well, I mean, that's kind of one thing, but it did not chart as well and it did not win Grammy for Song of the Year. I mean, Spotify, yeah, that's a great thing, but I feel like if one song on your album won a Grammy and the other didn't, that that is a pretty definitive well, statement. Maybe more people like this song than this song. This song has retrospectively become the, the larger, Academy larger. was wrong uh, because the people like this song better. I and I would agree. This is the best song on that first album. Now, are I you am, ready for me I to blow your mind about been this? More ready for anything? Okay. This Shut is a cover up. song. You ruined the song for me. Whoa. No, it is not cooler. No, than that's her writing cool. No, who wrote it? No, I want to hear the original version. Bob who Dylan. No way. Yep. This. Wow. I I find this so fascinating because this is this is a signature Adele she performance, stole it. <laughs> and this is. I'm, I'm this is, what, didn't we have that? This have is that why about Aretha Franklin doing covers so so well that like the songs mm-hmm. kind of became her songs. Became there. Mm-hmm. This is a song where this she picked this so perfectly. This because the the lyrics fit exactly her writing style. Um, she I don't think she was particularly inspired by Bob Dylan. I can't, I actually, I have not heard the original. I can't even imagine what Bob Dylan would sound like on this song. It, it, it feels strange, but good Lord, you know that he laughed all the way to the bank with this one. <laughs> Made a lot of money off this. Yeah. One. 
Um, it's true. I mean, she just this this does not feel like a cover song. This feels like a, an artistic statement from her. And I think again, those are the best cover songs. Are ones where you don't yes. feel like yes. they're just doing someone else's song. They've taken a song and they've made it their own. You know, we've seen it with Jimi Hendrix and All Along the Watchtower. We saw it with Aretha Franklin and in, in Respect. Like, this is a contender for one of her signature songs now. And we saw it with uh, Limp Biscuit and. Uh, <laughs> oh, you shut Lost. up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that cover, okay? Oh. Whatever. It probably helped that I didn't hear the Yeah, version. people people do tend to gravitate to whichever one they hear. Right. But it's weird because I'm sure this song came out a long time. No, this ago. is actually, he wrote this in like the 90s. Yeah, he wrote really? this in like 98, I think. So there still was... I mean, there of... was like, at the time, there was like maybe 10 years... Because yeah. this this the her first album came out in like oh eight. Yeah. Okay. Wow, and yeah, that's twenty years mm-hmm. ago now. So um so, uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I just I think that this in some way is even more in, in some ways more impressive than a really great um personal composition because it's just you don't hear a single thing in this and go, that's, that's not Adele. Mm-hmm. It's and good God, her vocal performance on this song is so good. <laughs> uh, I think that the the different um, recording process, the way that the way that this album sounds, really benefits this song because. It really benefits the tone that she uses, and it just it feels it feels very soft. Like it's just it's got this perfect clarity to it, and you can hear every single aspect of every word and every note that she hits, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Um, and then just lyrically, it just it fits with anything. I I feel like this song really kind of almost is the the prelude to the types of songs that she would really start to write in twenty one and twenty five. What What do you mean? Because I don't know what what this, this is, about. is a love song, but it is not a happy love song. This song is about the desperation of trying to have someone feel the same way you feel about them. She's trying to make him feel her love. The whole the whole point is that he does not love her as much as she loves him. That whole that that telling line of I know you haven't made your mind up yet. This is not a situation where they're both happily in love with each other. It's like she's trying to convince him that she would love him forever. And it's going to very desperate um, measures. I would go hungry. I'd go black and blue. Like she's she's almost like pledging 
to the ends of the earth that um, that she will be the best thing that happens to him. Uh, yeah, it's so sad. It's like, I can make you happy. I can mm-hmm. make your dreams come true. Like, she's, like, trying to convince him. Like, almost like a plea. It's just like, mm-hmm. why is it so sad? Like, saying, please, please, please love me. And and just again, there's there's without that one line of I know you haven't made your mind up yet, it almost feels like it's just it's yeah. between two lovers that are have a mutual feeling, just declaring love. But when you add in that fact, it just it gives that's it what, such an yeah, extra dimension. It's like it, this is not like a song where it's like, mm-hmm. I wish you loved me as much as I loved you. But like it is that, but it's also like way like more. You know, we were, yeah. Um, about this album in particular, right? This was her first. You know, it was after she was discovered by the record company. So I'd imagine that the recording process was still in the matter of weeks instead of, you know, record no. this song and then a couple months later. No, um, at this point, it was still far. We were still beyond the time frame where that was normal to record in a very short amount of time. Because she was a she was and remained a perfectionist. Like she, you know, she worked on her songs for a long time before she was like, okay, let's, mm. you know, let's say we're done. I definitely. So it released when she was 19, but it took. It probably, it probably took. I would say at the very least amount of time, it probably took like a month. I, it definitely got longer with the next two. Like she, she spent almost an entire year writing five and recording it because she said that she wrote and recorded like, you know, 30, 40 songs that didn't even make it on the album that she hates. Part of it, I guess. Because that's some of the best. Well, she none of those songs made it on the album. She just she she was experiencing very severe writer's block and was just like she would write a song, record it, hear it back, and go, nope, not using that. Nope, that sucks. Let's let's do another one. And sometimes the albums that you do that though, you end up with the uh the best stuff. There's not a weak song in the album because if you're willing to throw out a bad song then and you're and you self-filter like that then you get stronger Mm -hmm. material and i think that showed so um yeah i i definitely would say that this is the album that she probably took the least amount of time to record but Mm -hmm. um not at all what i would have expected wow yeah this this song just really shines in just how little it does. Just it's her piano mm-hmm. and some string accompaniment, and that's pretty much it. Which when that when those strings come in, yeah. like in between uh, the uh, verse three and the second chorus, mm-hmm. it's just it. I'm getting chills yeah, just thinking really about good. it right and now. Especially whenever this, yeah, it's like when the strings drop out, <laughs> you just feel like it's so, it's yeah. back to being so empty. Uh, so good. It's good range. 
I love the chords in this song too. They're not the kind of chords you I feel like you would two, expect. Five one. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Yeah, oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember. I heard this the first time, and I was I was really surprised by that that chord change. I was like, "Oh, that's it's that soul. was fancy." It's that R&B soul chord progression. You got a minor four in there. Uh huh. Oh yeah, those minor fours that'll make them cry. Oh lord, that's that's some um, that's some real soul stuff. There's um, Pink Floyd's "Nobody's Home." Well, because uses they that chord. Ooh, I love playing that. Is just doing a chromatic walk down, and then they're just matching chords to that. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's yes. like one, seven, flat seven, I, six, yeah. flat six. And sometimes six, when you do the flat six is the third of a minor four. Um yes. It's the minor third of the yeah. I know what you mean. But yeah, yeah. if you if you play that four chord and then the minor <laughs> four chord, that's and money. Then the first, that's that's easy resolution. That's money. You can make <laughs> millions of songs if you end. Okay, don't overuse it. If you end the chorus on that, you know. So, like, if if you wanted to try that, you know, that's that's a F, F minor C. You know, play whatever chord progression you want. If the last three chords <laughs> are that, money shot right there. So, I I didn't pick up on that until you mentioned it but that is <laughs> yeah well um is there anything else that you guys wanted to point out about this it's just good it's just that that's the that's the other thing is like i'm i keep being surprised it, that it's yeah. like like at this point i'm kind of just like dang like all these songs are so simple It's just, yeah. and I think that goes back. So I think true. this is like almost like a good lesson song, right? Well, just straight yeah. up, where it's just like you can, you should be able to write a great song on piano, and not have the need to produce it out. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that these songs still, mm-hmm. I think they would have lost its charm. But I think that like, like on uh, when we were young, it's like that has more production value to it, and it just enhanced an already great song. But she could have recorded that song on just piano and it would have been just as good you know i think you're you put yourself in a really strong place as mm-hmm. a songwriter whenever it's like a lot- i could make an entire acoustic album and it would still be a great hit you know i'm just going to get it more produced because i feel like it i if if you look back on some of the biggest you know bands or artists of all time and you know or maybe just your personal favorite artists of all time and look back on the instrumentation and the producing that's involved it tends to be very simple right like van halen there's one guitar track and one drum take and some backing vocals everything you hear on a van halen album is what you're going to see live um pantera there are two guitar tracks for every rhythm guitar and then it's just drum and bass and like Phil doing two vocal takes. That's so, so simple, right? Rush is three guys. 
so so simple that's that's for me personally that's why i'm bringing you know those bands up but you can pretty much go down the line and there will be a very very few exceptions to the rule of simplicity in songwriting because when you get too many things going on the ear has no idea what's going on and that's why it was so notable for water under the bridge to have so many things going on is because they all gave enough space to everything else that they could all have their own you know part and it's actually a lot harder to get a wall of sound sound if you have a ton of things going on it's a lot easier when you have very little and that's that's something that you know people don't really understand the other thing that i would like to note about um make you feel my love is that we just came off of an album or a song off 25 and we go straight to an album on 19 and by comparison her voice sounds completely different she almost sounds like taylor swift in this song especially especially if you compare it to she doesn't like, have the maturity in her not, voice it's not she had. the the level of and she is 19 there's not yeah there's not that maturity in her voice it's it starts to sound like yeah so and but all that to say she started off being very very yeah. good right it's not like oh her voice was terrible and then this miraculous experience you know of like training her voice over a long period of time and then she finally got it. it's like she yeah. had it you know so all right the I'm final song where uh, she shall set fire <laughs> to that rain yes i we have to talk about lyrics first because that well, the first sense. thing I'm going to say is that this is number two on the list. So we didn't have the number one. Oh, but what oh. is the number one? Nope. Um, I'll 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 tell in the oh, after you're, hours. You're hitting them like you're hitting them with the after hours. <laughs> They've saved that for a possible. That's volume. right. That's smart. So if you if you really want to know, then you go to the link in the description <laughs> of the episode. Mm-hmm. Or you wait a really long time for us to do a volume two, and we're still not going to put it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it'll definitely be in the volume two. Ooh, okay. Um, but this was one of her three number one singles from twenty one. Um, the the other two being "Rolling in the Deep" and "Someone Like You." This song. Um, this was maybe the first song that I heard of hers that actually made me go, wow, I genuinely yeah. love this song. First melodies are great on this, too. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. I feel like her, her, this might be her best vocal performance that I, at least that I've heard from her mm-hmm. as far as just her voice takes so much um it takes so much mm-hmm. diversity it has so she puts it through so many different sounds it has so many facets she does she does a mm-hmm. lot with her voice on this song and does so many incredible things especially just in the chorus 
like it goes through so many different vocal styles and vocal placements and it's mm-hmm. just incredible and her tone is perfect on this song so lyrically this almost kind of feels like a a summation of the entire relationship because she starts off with things being really good you know uh, I, I let it fall my heart and as it fell you rose to claim it it was dark and I was over until you kissed my lips and you saved me. Like she's starting yeah. off with, you know, everything's good. Talking about how great he was. You know, she was lonely, she wanted love, and he was there for her. And, you know, on the surface it's like, oh you know, you you almost feel like when you're listening to this, because this is the fifth song on the album. Every song is sad up to this point. And you kind of almost feel like oh, we're going to finally get a happy song about love. And then it's that that shoe drops if she says, but there was a side of you that I never knew, never knew. And that it is so is good. so good. <laughs> and the, and the, all the things you'd say, they were never true, never true. And the games you'd play, you would always win, always win. Uh, repetition, our, our good friend repetition. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but what what I think she means, like she's saying that the games you play, you always win, but I'll set fire to the rain. It almost feels like she's saying tables yeah. have turned. She's gonna like she's gonna cheat. Uh huh. She's yeah. just like, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, the the game's changed. I'm in control now, and guess what? I'm gonna turn the fire or the rain into fire. And it's going to burn you to the ground. But at the same time, this is not the same emotion as rolling in the deep. This is she's mourning and crying as she's doing it. Because she, she, uh, it says, I heard it screaming out your name. And so it's, you know, she's, this is, this is, a moment where she feels rage and sadness because again she's she's going back and contemplating how good yeah. it was in the beginning it's not just you know you betrayed me you loser you get out i never want to see you again this is this is the point where yes i'm angry i'm hurt by you but the reason it hurts so bad is because it was so good Mm, and because there's throughout this we have this feeling of her wishing that it could be different Um, sometimes I wake up by Mm -hmm. the door that heart you caught must be waiting for you even now when we're already over I can't help myself from looking for you but I'll set fire to the rain her vocal performance on this is insane it's kind of one yeah, it it feels like it's like she knows she has to do it, but she doesn't want to. But she's gonna do it because she knows in the end that what's best for her is that she puts an end to it. But she's but she's gonna mourn it. What what is the bridge about? Because there's kind of a turn there. Um, I think to me, it's just it's showing the um the side of it of it's to show that it's not yeah. just rage 
think it's I think it's to show that you know through all of the anger there is still sadness. I think that you know it's it's the part of her that's saying I will miss you. I still love you. I you know I'm not going to take you back but there's a part of me that that wants to and probably always yeah. will want to. When you love someone intensely even when you break it off there's kind of always still that part that lingers. And I think that that's what she's talking about. She she doesn't she doesn't regret what she did because she knows it was the right thing to do, but it still hurts. Mm. Wow. Okay. You know what we what? didn't talk about? Why is her name Adele? That is her, is that real, her name? real name. Is her God-given birth name? I didn't know if it was like a cool no. like. I'm gonna name. Her yeah, that's Adele. that. Okay. That's her real name. Well, that's a pretty simple <laughs> answer. Then. Never mind. He had to. We had to get all the way up to this point in the podcast <laughs> to get that question answered. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed the rest of the commentary. <laughs> you know. Um. And then, yeah, musically, this this definitely feels like the climax of all the emotions that I feel like it almost in a way sums up all of the different lyrical things that she discusses. It has hurt. Yeah. It has anger. It has sadness. It has happiness. It has that, um, you know, that's still that reminiscing of, of the good times. It has thinking back to when we were younger. It, um, it just it has it has everything, and then just explodes in that in that final chorus, and especially at the end after it, whenever she just kind of starts going off. I think the the thing that makes this such a good vocal performance from her is the fact that the chords are changing mm -hmm. so slowly especially in the chorus is that she has to then use her the melodic side of her writing style to come up with something interesting enough to you know back up this uh six minor five four whatever it is you know for two bars each and it's like you can't you can't play james labrie and then just sing the third you know <laughs> or you can't well, you know what I mean. Like you can't, you can't sing something mm -hmm. very basic. You're gonna have to come up with a melody that can, on its own, carry the song because that's essentially what the song is at that point. But combine that with those very, very slow moving chords. That every chord change is then like its own musical paradigm shift because it's going so slowly. And the melodies that's over top them highlights that. It's just I don't I I think that yeah I think she did she did good on the melodies because she gave herself that whether intentionally or not gave herself mm -hmm. that challenge. Ethan, did you have anything you wanted to add in uh, on this song? I think this song has a great string accompaniment to it. 
and yeah. I would be very sad if I didn't at least mention <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mention that. <laughs> but yeah, I man, she's really good at writing verses. Like the yes. choruses are all obviously really great, but it's really easy to have a great chorus and a not a great verse. But her. Like the verse is just by yeah, time, but yeah. I feel like every single, at least out of all these part of the songs, song. I was like, every every part of the song is well written, and even the one song that I didn't like that she was going to all the high notes is still well written. Like I can't deny that. Like it's still a really well written every single part of the song. So it's like, just it makes sense that she like would go through like thirty songs. And then be like, these are the ones that I want. Just great songwriter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, also, she is self-filtering. So maybe there is some really bad stuff that she just doesn't want us to hear. <laughs> but also, how bad can it really be? <laughs> you know? So I'm ready to give my final thoughts. All right. Well, then when we uh, when we come back, we are going to wrap up this episode on Adele and uh, give our final thoughts. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done listening to our six songs the week from Adele, which were Rolling in the Deep, Rumor Has It, Water Under the Bridge, When We Were Young, Make You Feel My Love, and Set Fire to the Rain. And now it is time for our final thoughts. This is where we kind of compile everything that we've learned and everything we've experienced and kind of give our our own personal final judgment on uh, the artist. So, uh, Grant, uh, why don't you start us off? What are your final thoughts on Adele? Well, this is yet another artist where my opinion has changed a lot, even during the episode. Even just talking about the stories behind the songs, it makes them feel more alive. Um, and I, early on in the episode, I wanted to, you know, like say like, ooh, I think I'm going to commit to listening to all of her discography. That kind of scares me a little bit because like, what if it isn't that good, but also what if it is, you know? Um, so I don't know if I'm going to really do that, but I'm really tempted to just go and listen to every single Adele song. There's not that many, so it's not like I'm going to be wasting that much time. Um, I'm obviously curious to see how bad the worst songs are, and if they're really strong, then that's going to be a really good case. <laughs> um But yeah, I think I've come a lot, well, I definitely have come a long way because I used to, I would have said before this episode that I would not like Adele. I would never listen to Adele. I would never consider Adele a musician, right? But talking about the musical context she was in, because I would say that a lot of music sounds like, a lot of pop sounds like what she did at the time. So it seemed very basic to me, you know, going back and and thinking about like, oh, you know, I, I think she kind of started that movement, or maybe that's just confirmation bias, but I think she kind of started that movement in pop to be more real. Um, I liked the set. I liked every song 
there wasn't a single song in the set where I'm like, oh, I have to listen through this. Um, I don't know. It's just there's I don't think there's anything bad to say about it. I went from absolutely not to I can't critique. Yeah. It's Which like... even <laughs> yeah, like even during the during the episode, I was like, I don't even like her voice. And now I don't even know if I'm gonna say that. <laughs> It's just like you went from actively not liking it to there literally being no reason why you shouldn't like it. There's no reason. (laughs) Right. Like maybe I'm not going to become an Adele fan. I don't think I'm going to become an Adele fan. I don't think I'm ever going to say, you know, go around. But you you literally definitively say that it's bad for any reason. I can't find a reason for (laughs) it to be bad. I can't. There just isn't a reason. There's nothing. Right. It's dumb. It's like for the longest time, I've been telling myself that, oh, man, Adele sucks. You shouldn't even give it a shot. And then here we are. You know, this is kind of a commonality. Really. <laughs> I, there's just, just another day at work. Right. It's <laughs> really, exactly. But and I also have to say that water under the bridge is without a doubt my favorite i I figured that's where you were going with that because you Mm. reacted very strongly to it when we were talking about it why water why well okay musically there isn't anything wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it it's produced so well it sounds completely different from like anything i've heard but at the same time it's so familiar it's in that weird nebulous region of I don't yeah. even know what it is, but it definitely is good music. Um, I I think her voice is so good on that. The backing vocals are so good on that. The atmosphere is so good on it. It just feels like I don't know how to describe it. There's some. There's a way that kind of like Van Halen one where when you're listening to it, you feel like the sound is coming from like off the top of a mountainside or like, you know, it's really like you feel like the sound is just enveloping you, you know, that's what that sounds like. But it sounds like that in a, in a completely different way, in a more optimistic way, instead of a power way, it's like more like optimism. Yeah. It's just a more optimistic way. And then also going through the lyrics, that was nothing to, you know, that was nothing to take away from it at all, right? The total nuanced approach of like this whole trust issues song and then fitting that whole thing into four minutes of music without having to like write a whole narrative. It's like we got the whole story, right? Every line had its own purpose. It was, there was no, I didn't feel like there were any two lines in the song that said the same thing. Now, obviously I didn't like listen that closely to the lyrics because that's just not, you know, it's not who I am, but I didn't feel like ever during the song that it's like, Oh, I've heard this lyrical idea before. And it was such a complex yet raw emotion and learning the story of it made me appreciate it even more. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, it just, it gets better. It just keeps getting better. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I would say 
I went from being an Adele, um, like I I know about her because I'm aware of pop, you know. And I kind of had her kind of pre. And I kind of mentioned this before. Like I kind of had to her like pre-categorized, like oh, singer songwriter Adele. It's moody music and it's mm-hmm. breakup music and it's kind of over there, you know, sad music. And and I think I have moved from that to like it. Like whenever she releases her next album, I will listen to it that day. I will listen through wow. the whole entire thing that like. Like, the second that I know about it, I'm listening to it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if I would consider myself... Well, I think I think we should have a way to categorize how we feel about artists. Because, like, I'm in the... I'm... If, if COVID wasn't happening right now and there were concerts and Adele came to Tulsa, I would buy tickets. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's in that mm-hmm. category of, like... it's It's not, like... I don't know if I'm like a diehard fan, but I'm a fan enough to like not miss her when she comes to town. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so, and I, and I think before, if I would have, if Adele would have come to town, I would have been like, mm, no, mm. I, I really don't want to go. Yeah. Like I'll hear about it from someone, but I, I'm not really into that. Now I am definitely into that now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because I feel like just her persona and her realness and her, especially just her songwriting is just so um, good. And I feel yeah. like, like we talked earlier, it's like, she's only released three albums and she's art. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, if she ends up getting on this, like, if she's like becomes a career artist, you know, and she doesn't just stop because she can, like we could literally be like in like weird pseudo like beginning phase or about to come into like phase two of Adele of many phases where she just like skyrockets up. Cause I don't think that the kind of songs that she writes is ever going to like go out of style, you know? And she feels mm-hmm. like an artist that's gonna her sound is gonna always be her sound, but it'll develop over time, which is why Lucas, I'm equally as curious to see the next evolution whenever the album does release. But I feel like she's even if I don't even if I wouldn't say like, oh, I relate to Adele so much, you know, from an artist standpoint, I think that she's just so good that I would be like like it's kinda what Grant said where it's like there's nothing bad about it, but I would even counter and say that she might be the best songwriter. I mean, can we, can any of us readily think of someone releasing modern music that you would say like they're a better songwriter than Adele? Mm. I don't know. That would be a, that would be a tall order. I mean, she's writing with the best writers in the world. She's one of them, you know? And so, that's where I would put her in that category. Very high praise from me. Worth studying her songwriting. I would say my favorite song, the song that I even kept going back to um, and keep going back to is uh, Make You Feel My Love. That's just the song that, that actually just... hurt whenever I told you a cover song. That's why I was a little bit upset because it did bring it down a couple notches at the beginning. I was like, should I change my favorite song? You know, but then once I started listening to it again, I was just like, I just, 
you know there's just songs where it's like the second that it plays you're just like yes mm-hmm. you know that's yeah, like, that song to me where it's just like the second that i hear those chords on the piano i'm just like i freaking love this song and even though I know that technically it's not produced as well, and I wish that Make You Feel My Love would have been on 21 because it would have sounded like so much better, you know? <laughs> like if she would have waited to release Make You Feel My Love until she until she was 21 and got that really nice gritty sound and the fuller vocals with the more effects on it, they would have been sweet. But I'm left with this version and I still like it because it feels really stripped back and just like, she's just singing you know yeah and so and the chords like everything about it just feels very soulful and and i love it all right um so i've 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 had this this thing happening where all the music that my wife has constantly made me listen to over the years I used to hate. I'm kind of starting to like now. Like, my mind is being turned on Adele. My mind's being turned on Taylor Swift, on just several of these artists that she just, she has made me listen to over and over and over again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And originally I'd be like, oh, the war of attrition. And now I'm, I'm finding, I was just like, wait. Now, not all of it I'm going to agree with her, but there's some of it I'm just like, you know what? I think I might start to like this now. Mm-hmm. Adele is the one where I would say that that has happened the most by far. Um, I went from just going, eh, I can take it or leave it, to really going, wow. Like Like you said, like when that album comes out, I'm going to tell her about it and go, come on, we're going to listen to this together. <laughs> and I know feel very much like that. And I just feel like, I think it really helped that I, I heard past the six songs that I heard over and over again. Those, those, those songs were still good, but it was just like, I felt like I had a very incomplete picture. And now I feel like I understand her so much more as an artist. It makes so much more sense now. And I I really like her. I would say that I am a fan. I just feel like her 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 voice, her songwriting, her lyrics, it all just works so well. And then also really realizing that, you know, she doesn't really have any bad terrible songs that like you can pick you know just about whatever you want and you know you're still gonna have a pretty good time it's um my respect for her has gone way way up and i unironically enjoy her music now what what do we consider a fan a fan is someone that would go see them if they came in concert will will pick up their albums when they come out and suggest them to other people. Then I would say I'm a fan. I would say I'm a fan. It has to be that you are like obsessed with them and are ready to join their fan club. 
I think it means that you would go out of your way to listen to them, that you wouldn't just listen to them if they happened to be on. Uh, I think I think that's the metric right there. I think that's the metric. Like you would like you would go, you know what? I want to listen to 21 today. And you mm-hmm. put it on. And you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think that that's what constitutes being a fan. So um, we have obsessed at the top where it's like this is a pillar, you yeah. know. Uh-huh. pillar band like fan club shirts. You know, <laughs> and I and I would say that uh, for my wife, that is one of her pillars. She she is obsessed. <laughs> I feel like there's a level under obsessed that's like the fifth pillar. The 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 this could go in my fifth spot depending on how I feel. Like like where you would say I love this, you know, it's been, <laughs> like it's... I could listen to this forever. Uh huh. And then I feel like you have fan. And then what's under fan? Because we need to have like levels. I feel like I would say I feel like whenever we give our final thoughts, it needs to be like I went from a hater to a you know. <laughs> I would say appreciator is probably the next phase. Yeah, like to where you go. I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to it, but I definitely understand why they are important, and I do enjoy listening to them. And then after that, I would say that you you pretty much get to indifference. You're in like you your brain tells you this is good, but you don't really enjoy listening. Like it's a band that you would say, I don't think I'll ever listen to them again after this. But I but, but, but I recognize that it is good. Yeah. And so then, what do we call it? What is that called? <laughs> I don't know what that's called. <laughs> we need a name, Lucas. Limbo. Um, uh, I I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll maybe come up with that for next episode. We can kind of lay down some ground. We'll have to think about it. And, and then there's like that, hater. I would say that's when you're a hater. Where it's like, not only do I I would never listen to this again. I don't There's no reason why anyone should listen to. I proactively got out of my way to slander them. <laughs> okay, well, I think there's levels of that, right? Well, but I don't want to. I don't want to get super detailed. That's true. I kind of want to generalize at least a little bit. There's always that bottom spot, you know, for everybody. A hater. <laughs> for you, apparently, it's Limp Biscuit. So, which that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you like the biscuit. Lip biscuit. Um, I would say I went from like I wouldn't put her yet in like you know a a potential fifth spot. That's that's pretty that you have to be really impactful on me to get to that point. But I would say that the the tier under that where I am. I am a fan. I will I will gladly listen to her when she comes on and I you know will understand why anyone else likes them as well. So I have I have fanatic and then I I have um I, I don't have a name for what like like the fifth pillar one. So I have fanatic and then that, and then I have fan appreciator critic. And then I have hater at the bottom. Yeah. 
We can we can maybe solidify those uh, in, in after hours or probably next episode. I'll <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll have some time to just really make sure that we like those titles. But I like that idea. Yeah, uh, I think it helps with our final thoughts and our first thoughts to be like, yeah, I'm an appreciator. But yeah, that's like with that's... Adele. It's like I'm an appreciate. I was an appreciator for Adele, and this episode turned me into a fan. I feel like it's like I went a level up with Adele. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to say that my favorite song is uh, "Set Fire to the Rain." Why? Just because it's the one that gets me on that emotional level. That's fair. That's fair. Sometimes you don't need a reason, you know. I, I just want to know. I just like even even it hits you on an emotional reason is a good enough thing. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Yeah, it's it's weird how the brain and the heart and the ears can determine what good music is when you can't on your own. Mm-hmm. So, just an intuition for it. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well. I would say that that uh, very neatly wraps up this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much. Thank you, uh, Tina, for jesting Adele. Tina, uh, that was our that was our fan uh, pick for the month. So um, thank you so much for sending that in. For anyone else that would like to get a shout out and get their favorite artist on an episode. Um, Please make sure to contact us on social media and let us know what artists we should do an episode on next month. I haven't completely decided who I'm doing one on. Well, I kind of have on March, but April, I'm, I'm still undecided. So um, make sure you guys send in your suggestions and um, let us know because it's, it's really fun to kind of get a different uh, perspective and um, if you check in the description of the episode you'll find two links one of them goes to our patreon page where you can become a patron get early and exclusive content and the other link takes you to a spotify playlist all the songs please go listen to the songs it'd be again very sad if you got this far and didn't listen to the songs even if you know the songs and you're like i already know these songs guys trust me in the order, it's something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, be sure to subscribe. We have new episodes every week, Mondays, 9 a.m. Central. Next week, we're returning to our history of music. We are finally getting into the Renaissance, which is really where where things start to move and and start to get pretty awesome. I'm I really had a lot of fun doing the research for that. March is going to be an overall really fun month. I think one of my most favorite months that we've done so far. So, please make sure that um, you don't miss out on any of that. And for our patrons, we'll see you guys in our bad music podcast segment. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music.